You are listening to Core Stories. I'm Emily Bruff, Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. In part one of my interview with Janabeth and Ryan Hunt, they told the story of their adoption of their daughter Paige. And in part two, you'll hear the story of the adoption of their twins, Piper and Bennett. This is truly a story of God's faithfulness and Janabeth and Ryan's journey of walking in faith and joy. Thank you for listening. So Paige is six now, and we have um, two-year-old twins now. So um, after we adopted Paige, um, we started trying to have um, a baby. I wanted to have children close to each other, and so I... um, ended up having two miscarriages and started doing some infertility stuff after that and um, took Clomid and started progesterone and um, (laughs) that's a normal dropping those big words (laughs) confusing me normal things infertility people that walk through that have to go through Um, but during that process I ended up developing Bell's palsy, which is facial paralysis. I woke up one morning and um, my face was paralyzed and um, that was not cool at all. Um, But the stress of infertility, I didn't realize was affecting me as much as it was. And um, your body will tell you when you're stressed if you don't stop and so the past few years I've been learning how to rest even though the Lord gave me twins um that was I'm trying to think back to years but um after I had the um miscarriages we ended up talking about adoption and I met with um an adoption agency and really came home and talked to Ryan about it and we both really felt very strongly that if the Lord wanted us to adopt then um, he it would be like kind of similar to Paige's story and so um, I started praying at that time for the Lord to either put baby in my belly or for him to bring us a baby the way that he brought us Paige in a similar way that he brought us Paige and um, I would pray with Paige at night um, for um, baby brother or sister. And um, it was really interesting because um, for about a month before the twins came into our lives, when we would pray at night, um, Paige would say, but mommy, what if it's a boy and a girl? And I would say, well, it's going to be a boy or a girl. And she would say, well, but what if it's a boy and a girl? And I would just continue. Well, I mean, it could be, but more than likely it's going to be a boy or a girl. I'll confess my sins that I was not praying for twins. He was not. No, he was not. I was in Florida on a business trip and got a phone. I I had a missed call from... um, Jan Bennett, who's an elder's wife at our church. And I was like, oh, she called me. She knew my struggle with infertility. And she says, "Um, do you remember Chrissy? And I said, yeah, we took her out to eat one time. And she she said, yeah. And so Otter Creek um, at the time had um, a program called The Next Right Step. 
and Ryan and I would take people out to eat after um, church on Sundays. Just pretty much whoever Yolanda thought could use some encouragement and, and a good hot meal. So we would take them out to eat. And that was two years prior to this conversation that I'm having with Miss Jan. And so I'm like, yeah, we took her out to eat one time. And she said, well, she just called me and said, do you remember the hunts? Do you think that they would help me the way that they helped Paige's mom? And Jan said, I actually do. I'll call her. And so um, she asked, she said, if you're not peaceful at all during the conversation, let me know. And I said, I'm actually really peaceful about this for some reason. Um, this wasn't the first time that an addict had reached out to us about helping with their children. Um, but I was peaceful in this conversation. And so she said she's having twins, their boy girl. Um, she's been using cocaine on and off the entire pregnancy. But... The doctor seems to say that the babies seem healthy right now, and she's due in 10 days. And I said, okay, let me call Ryan. I thought it was nine days. Did you only give me nine days? No, well, Think she had it. the babies in nine days. It was supposed to be it 10. It was supposed to be 10 days. Yeah, okay. but she had them in nine. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Jenna Beth called me, and in our other journeys... Um, exciting journeys I, I pretty much just said okay I was a little bit on the cautious side on this one because Janabeth has a, a business that she runs and I had a business that was growing and, and I was just like you know I have this saying that I think I stole from John Maxwell that says you can do whatever you want to do but you can't do everything and I was, I was just like you know you don't bring twins into the house and get to do everything that, that you get to do before that. It's just, it's, that's not rocket science, but sometimes we do things and we don't think about things like that. We think everything's just going to continue, you know, but truth is you have to, you have to choose. So I was like, you know, if we choose to do this, it's going to be, and this is the shameful bad husband part of it, I guess. I was like, it's going to be like 90, 10, like, because I, I just have a, 60 hour a week workload and I was like it's going to be like 90 10 like I'll maybe be able to help you about 10 percent of the time I think I've done a little bit more than that I got tricked into it so <laughs> the goal the agreement was 90 10 but I don't think it ended up being that way yeah. uh anyways no just just joking but I'm pretty sure I said we needed to pray, pray about it or think about it it wasn't for me it wasn't just like yes like it had been well, for me, it was like, no, let's pray about it, which really meant I don't want to do it, so let me see if we can talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> we also were not together, and so it was a phone call, and what I said to him was, I need to know if you feel the same way that you felt about Paige. I'm not going to say yes to something unless you're 100% in with me on this. And he said, well, I have tears in my eyes. And so I said, well, that's what I need to know. Like, I need to know that you are feeling something, feeling this. And so at that time, and I said, I said, Ryan, like, you know this story. You know, like, you know how this is helping people that are on this journey. We might hear from her tomorrow or we may never hear from her again. This is either saying yes to God right now or no. Like, what do you want to do? And he said, Tell her we're in. 
So I text Jan back and said, tell her we're in. And so that was a Friday. I called all the people that I normally call. Called my mom immediately, and she was peaceful about it. Called my best friend. She was peaceful about it. I was with um, my friend Tara Layton, and um, I mean, peaceful and people thinking you're crazy. It, it's the same. Like I was, everybody was like, I feel peaceful about it, but this is crazy. Are you kidding me? Called Jan back to let her know. She was calling Chrissy to let Chrissy know that we were willing to help. That was all Friday, having all these conversations. Um, Chrissy, the story goes, actually wound up back in jail. Uh, her car, like, she got pulled over. She got put in jail. She got bailed out of jail. Um, I'm not hearing from her whatsoever. Um, Saturday, I don't hear anything at all. Then Monday comes around. Still nothing. So from Friday to Monday, I have heard not one thing of the, you know, 10 days that we had that twins may or may not be coming into our home. Tuesday morning, Jan calls, says, Chrissy called. She said, so sorry that she's been MIA, but would the hunt still be willing to help? Yes. The hunts are still willing to help. And so um, she was actually in Ohio at the time. And um, she um, she's in Ohio. We're trying to figure out how we're going to get her to Tennessee because if you have babies and they have drugs in their system, we know that the state is going to step in. And so um, I told her that maybe we could go and get her that weekend or something. We, I didn't really know how that was all going to work. And so um, she said, well, she wants to talk to you. And I said, well, please give her my number. I want to talk to her too. Um, so and I got her number as well. I called her. She didn't answer. It was Wednesday night. Ryan took Paige to church. And I went back home with my friend Erin to just spend some time with her. While I'm driving home, Yolanda called and said, Chrissy called, she's ready. Like, she needs out of where she's at right now. I have to go get her. I was like, what do you mean you have to go get her? She was like, I have, I have to go to Ohio, like, now. It was like 8 o'clock at night. And I was like, okay, well, I can't go with you. I told Paige that I was going to be home when she got home from church. If twins are about to come into our lives, we're going to need to keep this as normal as possible for the next few days. I said, I'm going to try to find you somebody to go with you. I'll call Ryan's brother, Kurt, um, and Kurt could not go either, but he was dating a girl that's actually his wife at the time. But he was dating a girl named Brittany, and Yolanda had met Brittany on Sunday night at our Easter dinner. And... Uh, Kurt said, well, Brittany doesn't have to work. She might go. And mind you, like, she just met Yolanda on Sunday. She and Kurt had only been dating, like, um, maybe two months. And I was like, okay, I'll call her. So I called Brittany, and I'm like, hey, you know, um, you've been praying for Chrissy and the twins. And she said, yeah. I said, well, Yolanda's going to go get her. Um, do you, could you, like, ride with her and she was like yeah like when is she leaving and I was like mm, like 10 minutes yeah, like right now <laughs> like now and she was like 
yeah, let me get out of my clothes. Let me get out of my pajamas and put something on. And so... My yeah. brother Kurt found out yeah. some girls were going together to Ohio. Well, no, he he knew they were going, but Yolanda, when when they get there to meet, Yolanda looked at Kurt and was like, "Just want you to know, like, we're going to pick up somebody in an area that's probably staying at a house that she had to do a few things to actually stay at the house." And so Kurt was like, "Get in my car. I I, I you're coming with me." <laughs> so. Kurt and Brittany and Yolanda drove to Ohio on Wednesday night and picked Chrissy up. And um, Brittany is a nurse. And so on their way back, we're trying to make sure that Chrissy gets to Tennessee again because we know that she's used cocaine. We know she has. Um, and they, she starts like, having some kind of maybe contractions she just starts hurting um and so they stop in kentucky at a hospital to check her out make sure that she's okay Brittany, um thankfully was there with them because she could ask questions that could hopefully go around them not having to do blood work so that they would keep her in kentucky because we're trying to get her to tennessee um and got her to uh, they ended up driving the rest of the way they got to the house probably i don't know they come back thursday and they're at our house and um chrissy takes a shower i let her take go to sleep in my bed and then miss jan bennett comes to get her the next day's friday i take Paige to school and i go to miss jan's house to come up with some kind of plan here because we don't know what's happening by the time i got there they had written up a power of attorney had beautifully written all these things and were like okay and so I just sat down with Chrissy and I'm like so do you have names picked out and no and I just said well Josiah's been on my heart for a boy that's a sweet name he was the youngest king in the bible it's a real sweet name I was like I don't have anything for you for a girl but take that for what it's worth and Miss Jan was like yeah Isaiah had been on my heart and she said but I like Josiah too and we chit chatted a little bit about nothing really and then um end up leaving and then the next day is Sunday uh Jan had told me that she had taken Chrissy to the hospital that morning and we were in the um spirit life class here and um we let the whole class know that we were probably about to have twins into our home and that the mother had been using on and off. And I just remember um, Mark Hayes praying for the Lord to have mercy, just to have mercy on the babies and for them to not be born addicted and for them to not have any problems um, at all. And uh, we all prayed and then we went to life group with our life group and at life group I got another phone call from Jan said that they were going to keep her and that they were going to set a c-section for seven o'clock that night and that Christy wanted me to come to the hospital and um I'm like okay so at that point it's kind of like oh this is getting super real there's about to be some children born into the world um we go home, and I, 
uh, uh, we take Paige on. We go home, and then I get ready to leave to go to the hospital. And you want to tell them what you told me? I just remember as a kid being in the, like, we would ride places, like, in the back of a truck. I'm from rural Mississippi, so when we would go somewhere, there wasn't enough room in the front. You rode the back of the truck. It's just what we did, so don't hold it against me. Um, but I remember a few times, sometimes even in the summertime, when it gets 70 degrees outside and you're doing 70 miles an hour down the highway, it's cold in the back of a truck. And I just remember, like, you just, like, you just get so cold and you're sitting there and you just, like, all you can think about is holding on till, till it gets done, till it's over with. You're just like, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. It'll eventually be over. And, um... That's just kind of what I think about having having twins. Sometimes you just feel like you're holding on and you're thinking eventually, you know, eventually it'll be over. Yeah. Because it's hard. And he was having those thoughts before they were born, which yeah. is it's been a pretty true statement of, of how crazy it is with them. But I went to the hospital and um, Chrissy, they take her back for to have the c-section but the room that i'm sitting in i look up and realize this is the room that i met caitlin and Paige in like it was the exact same room and i was like oh my goodness lord like this is the same hospital room that Paige was born in this is crazy okay and so um i'm just kind of having some time alone she Jan went back with her during the surgery, and then I was just in there waiting when she got back. So, um, having just some some time alone with Lord, and then they come back. They're born. Uh, Chrissy comes into the room, and we're waiting for um to go see the babies. Um, the baby girl was born first, and her sugar did not register, so they had to take her and and check her out and. Um, so we're just waiting for them to be checked out and I'm just sitting <clears throat> beside Chrissy, not really saying anything because this is a very awkward, strange, unusual situation to be in because this is a mom that just had twins that is not going to take them with her. And I'm a mom that I don't know if I'm going to be their mom or not so I'm just gonna I'm just loving them and Chrissy actually looked at me and said Yolanda told me that you were really nervous about how to act and what to say and I said yeah I said I really just want to love you really well and I know that this is hard and I said I just want to be so careful with how we do this and she said um well, you're doing a great job, she said, and we're going to share this. She was like, you're going to be their mom, and I'm going to be their mom, and Ryan's going to be their dad. And I was like, okay. I said, well, Paige has been praying for baby brother and sister, and so she's definitely going to say she's their big sister. And she said, well, she's going to be their big sister because she's going to do big sister things, and that's what she's going to do. And I was like, okay. Okay, alrighty. So um, we got moved to a different room, and they brought the babies in, and I held two little bitty tiny babies, and um, she named them 
Josiah Andre was the boy, um, and she named the girl Janice Lee. After Miss Jan is why she named her Janice, and Lee is Chrissy's middle name. And Miss um, Jan and I were talking, and she was like, I told her not to name her after me. I don't even like the name Janice. I go by Jan. She was making jokes about it. And um, I just said, well, you know, it is. Those are names. Okay. Um, and she stayed at the hospital they just had to, like, make sure that they were okay. They were on the line of having withdrawals. Um, there's, like, a number system that they rate them on. And they got all the way up to a 6, and a 7 is called withdrawal. Um, I definitely believe that um, baby girl was withdrawing because I'm the one that held her for several nights after she was born, and she was doing all the jerks and things that, addicted babies do um so they were four days old when we brought them home from the hospital i showed up with car seats and carriers and all that kind of good stuff to the hospital i hadn't seen them yet um so we went we got them we took them home i kind of like pages story people had already like volunteered and, and got us stuff and we had a house full of most a lot of the stuff that we would need for babies we had Pack and plays, um, and then I don't know. At some point in time, we got these little rocker things, but they were twins. They were sleeping together, just like you could imagine. They didn't sleep very well all the time. <laughs> um, they want to eat at night. I don't know why they did. So the day after they were uh, born, Chrissy came over to the house. We invited her over to to see them. Not the day after they were born. The day after we brought them home, she came over. She visited with them for a while. Um, it's just kind of a strange situation, as you can imagine, difficult. You don't know what to say. You're trying to be, be courteous. You're trying to consider her feelings. You're trying to take care of the, the, the babies and how they feel. Um, so she takes a lot of smoke breaks and comes back in. And then really before she had to go home, um, she decided to, to leave and go back to where she was staying at Miss Janice. And that was kind of our first kind of indicator that, that she wasn't connecting very well with the kids she wasn't staying and visiting as long um, so she went back and the the goal was um, for her to go into a, a, a temporary recovery um, facility and then the transition into a recovery facility where she could actually have the kids uh, with her so it, it potentially wasn't going to be very long before she was able to have the kids back um, the first thing she probably did was she made the mistake of not actually going ahead and getting into a recovery place. She was like, well, I'm just going to wait until I can get into a um, recovery place where I can have the kids. And uh, then she left Miss Jan's. I don't know. Do you remember where she was going? She, no, she went to a recovery place from Miss Jan's house. Oh, that's right. She did go to the recovery place, but she decided not to stay there. Uh, so she was just going to leave there. I think what she was thinking is that, well, I'm going to this other place where I can have the kids with me. I'm just going to leave here. Kind of another red flag. She ends up disappearing for how many days? Six weeks. For six weeks. We don't hear from her for six weeks. You know, if you can imagine in that six weeks period, we're, you know, we're making plans at that point in time to take care of the kids. This is, you know, a dire situation. So she calls and, you know, to make a long story short, you know, she's going to, we figure out she has these charges that she's 
um, not really dealt with with uh, the law. And uh, she keeps saying, I'm going to turn myself in and I'm going to take care of these charges. She had a warrant out for her arrest because she had violated parole. We didn't know any of this in the beginning. So she kept saying she was going to do it, saying she was going to do it. She never actually did it. And then eventually, you know, we just realized that we were going to have to pursue the adoption of the kids because um, figure out how many years she was going to have to serve if they kind of threw the book at her, so to speak. And that we just decided that it was time that we were going to make steps toward protecting the kids, which is what we had told her from the beginning. You know, if, if you if you take the next necessary step toward getting healthy and, and getting in a situation where you can take care of these kids, we will gladly help you through those steps. But if, if you don't, you know, we're, we're going to protect the kids. They're the number one priority. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of made that decision and, and started pursuing those um, avenues and eventually she she kept going back to the, the birth dad who, who was was not a you know was not a healthy person for her as you can imagine in those situations and she ended up eventually getting picked up and incarcerated so she never did actually go face the charges um, on her own she got picked up here in Nashville and then they ended up transferring her to West Tennessee to face those charges mm-hmm. yeah so after so we, um, it's important to say that DCS did step in in the beginning and they were going to either take the babies because they did have drugs in their systems when they were born or we could take um, custody of them. And so with Chrissy's permission, we took legal custody of the twins. And um, four months later when you know she disappeared for six weeks and then we um ended up um charging her with abandonment because we couldn't get up with her she couldn't she wouldn't come around and so um this all of this is very difficult to walk through and maneuver because i loved chrissy like the time that she was at our house the days that she was there and the car rides back and forth to miss jan's house like i was just telling her like as much as everybody is oohing and on over these babies, and we love these babies, like the Lord loves you that much. Like he wants redemption for you that much. You're worthy of a story. Like you're worthy of to be loved. Um, and so I wanted Chrissy to want us to adopt. I wanted her to, um, to be okay with the whole situation, but once she disappeared and you're she's back using again it's very difficult to think clearly when you're intoxicated um so after we have the abandonment charges and now we're looking toward pursuing adoption and she is in jail um we are hit with she's going to contest the adoption and that it's just going to make things super, super difficult. And um, because when we got the papers that she was contesting, um, as I'm a very, very loving, calm person, just pretty, pretty calm most of the time. Um, but in her contest, she wrote that the only reason that we wanted the twins was because I couldn't have children. And it hurt to the core like cut me through the heart hurt to the core because 
I was not the person that reached out to her about her children. Like she called me 10 days notice. And so um, I, I called Miss Jan and I told Jan, cause she was the mediator between Chrissy and I. We actually had um, a restraining, kind of like a restraining order against Chrissy and, and us. Like we could not talk, the court put that in place. And so- yeah, Not that we had requested, but the judge just said, because he hadn't ever been face to face with her, that he didn't want her to have any contact with the children until he had spoken with her. Yeah. And so I, when I had got the papers, I just called Miss Jan and told her, I said, you, she needs to know that I am going to do everything that I can to protect these children. Like Mama Bear has come out and I will, I said, you can tell her I've already pulled up 13 pages of her history, of her charges that she has. I know everything that she has done. And I will find and dig things up if I have to. Like, I'm going to protect these children. You know, when a kid's going to be two years old before their birth parents just are able to give them some type of permanency to, to us, that was just, just too long. It would have been devastating for them to have to undergo that type of disconnect uh, and life upheaval. So we started looking toward making their permanency. This situation was different than our uh, first child, Paige, in that uh, the state was walking us through, kind of hand-holding us through the entire process with Paige, which to some extent made it more complicated, but at least you did have somebody telling you what to do. So with the twins, there was in some ways less to do, uh, but we didn't know what that was to do, so we had to kind of figure that out. Um, so we. Uh, use our resources. We actually talked to um, Paige's case manager, who had been her case manager through her entire time in foster care. Uh, we talked to the lawyer who had uh, helped us through the state uh, finalize the adoption of Paige. And uh, we actually hired her. And uh, by the way, it's, this is a good time to mention how much the, the church has helped us. Um, individuals specifically in the church helped us financially um, just came up to us and said hey we want to help what adoption is a, a big thing that's on our heart and we want to help so we've had a lot of help when it comes to the financial side of it uh, emotional side of it so that's a big thing for us so we don't want to forget to mention that our church family has meant so much in this I don't truly know what people do um, that don't have a big church family especially if you're like us and none of your parents live in town so all of our uh, parents or, or the baby's grandparents all live out of town so it's been a blessing to have a big church family and to have so many people who speak truth into our lives and offer their time every time i would get overwhelmed or feel stressed i would um just repeat cast your cares on the lord and he will sustain you um that was my prayer throughout Paige's story and through throughout this adoption story as well and um, also um, Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find. And I just felt like, I just kept asking the Lord like if this is what he wanted. Um, a big question that people ask us a lot, especially in the beginning was, how are, how are y'all gonna just love these babies and, and you might have to give them back? You know, like that was a, the biggest question that we got and the answer was how do we not just love the babies like they needed a home 
they needed parents and we both felt like the Lord asked us to do that. And so um, you really just have to live day by day and moment by moment. And that's really what we had to do throughout the entire process was just one day at a time, one moment at a time, one minute at a time. From my perspective, unfortunately, I just, I, I never felt like that Chrissy was going to come around. So for me, I was just like, let's get it done. It, it's, it's not fun. It's, um, sometimes you feel like you're not being nice because you have to get a lawyer and make a case and you have to say things that aren't pleasant about somebody else that are true. I mean, we never said anything that's not true, but you have to say things that are not pleasant in order to, but we, in our mind, just had to say, it's about the kids. It's about their permanent um, protection and, and well-being and their emotional state. We have to do things that are not fun so that they can uh, have a family, a permanent family. Um, so now it's really like come full circle and like everything that we prayed for, like my heart's desire was for Chrissy to want us to adopt. Like that was my prayer was for the Lord to change her heart for her to want us to adopt. And it's literally come full circle. And now Chrissy ended up surrendering her rights, wanted us to adopt. And the, one of the sweetest things that the Lord has done is that part where when she contested and used my infertility against me, the very first communication that Chrissy and I had after um, the adoption was finalized was her sending me an email and just saying, the Lord just really put it on my heart that I need to ask your forgiveness for something. And she just said, I'm so sorry that I used your infertility against you. I brought my children to you and asked for your help. And you accepted that help. And, um, and I was just like, really, Lord? Like, that is the sweetest thing ever. Because that was like the thing that... I didn't shout from the rooftops to let everybody know, hey, I've been hurt deeply by this. And the Lord just really sealed that with 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 her um with her heart. And now she's um she's still in prison, but she's been baptized. And um I just am praying for the Lord to continue to pour his spirit out on her and for her to really live a redeemed life and walk in and his love and his light and his glory. So. You know, one of the many sweet things we got to go do, um, because of the restraining order, we weren't really allowed to have direct conversations with her. I always did it through Miss Jan. And um, I certainly couldn't go see her as she wanted. And, you know, just being a person who didn't have a lot of people in her life or maybe anybody in her life that was trusting, it was very hard for her to trust us that we were going to actually do what we said we would do. So we got the opportunity after the adoption to uh, make good on that because they were ours and that restraining order no longer um, was in effect. So we went over to West Tennessee and we took the babies, which are two now, to mm -hmm. see her, which was a huge blessing for her and for us. And it's mm -hmm. just a really beautiful thing to see her get some um joy yeah some joy mm -hmm. and she was very courteous and thankful and and we were thankful for her that you know we wouldn't have the twins if it wasn't for her yeah. and they're our little bundles of joy yeah. but it's a fun journey um i've told people before that there's nothing um nothing more fulfilling in life than 
Mm. There's nothing more fulfilling in life than knowing you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That's why I love him so much, because he cries, and then I cry, and then we just cry together. This is an audio recording. They didn't have to know I was crying. (laughs) I wanted them to know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a a fun journey, the uncertainty. I mean, those times in life when you're just trusting the Lord are are the times that you look back on, and they're the most fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have three... Uh, permanent uh, fixtures <laughs> in our family to remind us of the good journey. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard journey. It's a good journey. It's, it's I, think, I think what I would say to people, because people often ask us the question, or they'll say things, silly things. Like Good people say silly things like, that, oh, I could never do that. And I, I don't even know that that's true. I think people would say yes. People just don't always put themselves in those situations and say yes. So if you're wondering what, if you're wondering what God wants you to do, I think sometimes you just need to be more open to going out and and serving like Jenna Beth did, and uh, and then just saying yes. I think another takeaway from from this journey and through life is that um, sorrow and joy or pain and joy go hand in hand together and um we call our our life a beautiful mess because um being jesus to other people is super duper messy it's not easy it's messy and it's hard but um but it's also really beautiful if you look really close at the details of it um and just one Uh, quote that has just stuck with me as an adoptive mother is a child born to another woman calls me mommy and the magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me and I have two birth moms to thank for allowing me to raise their children and that's that's not lost on me like uh and beyond thankful for the privilege to raise these children. So. Paige thinks that they're awesome. I tell people often that Paige hadn't played with a toy in two years. That's who else the twins are two years old. So they, they were her baby dolls when they were tiny. And now they're getting to an age where they're actually, you know, starting to kind of be peers. Not really. She's enough older than she bosses them around. But, um, but they do everything she does. They'll do whatever she tells them to do as long as it's fun obviously um but they've been she's been teaching them dance in the living room lately because she's in dance camp over at fellowship bible so she's been teaching them all her moves all her ballet moves and i even let bennett participate so (laughs) core stories is a ministry of the otter creek church in brentwood tennessee to find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories or follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.